0: guys and gals, welcome to the Oxford Holy Club, a place where we ready ourselves to give an answer for the hope that's in us. We will also try to answer your questions, random questions from the interwebs, and have some fun too. So put some seatbelts on your ears because we're in for a wild ride. Well, hey, ladies and gentlemen, it's your host, Beardman, also known as Brad. This episode is going to be a little bit different. I was traveling for a youth rally in Trenton, Nova Scotia while this was recorded, and I was fortunate enough to be able to sit down with our guest speaker for our youth rally. Uh, His name is Dr. Stephen Lennox, and I'm going to share with you a little bit of his bio, and, and you'll get to hear that I referenced that I'm going to do this in the episode. So I'm stepping in ahead of time uh, to let you know who he is. Dr. Stephen Lennox became Kingswood's 12th president on July 1st, 2015. He was unanimously elected by the board of trustees during their spring 2015 meeting and officially inaugurated as president in October 16th, 2015. Dr. Lennox, an ordained minister of the Wesleyan Church, served 10 years in pastoral ministry. During that time, his love for the Bible grew into a burning passion to study and teach it. For 22 years, Dr. Lennox served with distinction at Indiana Wesleyan University in several roles, including Division Chair of the School of Theology and Ministry, Director of the Graduate Ministry Program, Dean of the Chapel, and Honors Professor of Bible and Humanities. The recognized scholar holds four degrees, the PhD and MPhil from Drew University, the MDiv from Evangelical Theological Seminary, and a BA from Houghton College. A Christian statesman and prolific writer, Dr. Lennox has authored six books on the Old Testament, including commentaries on Psalms, Proverbs, and Joshua, as well as an introduction to the Old Testament, God's story revealed. He has led educational tours for students in Europe, Africa, and in the Middle East, in addition to participating in excavations at Dor in Israel. Dr. Lennox strongly supports cross-cultural education and has taught courses in Russia, Jamaica, Zambia, and Mozambique. He and his wife, Eileen, have two children and two grandchildren. A proven leader with an educated mind and a warm heart, Dr. Lennox firmly believes that as Kingswood remains faithful to its calling and obedient to his leading, God will bless our efforts with success to his glory. And now that you know who he is, why don't we get on with the episode so we can hear the conversation back and forth. So sit back, relax, put those seatbelts on your ears, and enjoy. Well, hey, ladies and gentlemen, it's your host, Brad Siliker. Now, this time, we don't have our other host, the bald eagle known as Lucas, with us. I'm traveling and on the road uh, for a youth rally, and I've been able to get a special guest with us today, and he's sitting across the table from me, and we have really only just met not that long ago, but let's uh, let's give a big Oxford Holy Club welcome to Dr. Stephen Lennox. Welcome to the show, Dr. Thank Lennox. Thank
1: you. It's my pleasure to be here,
0: Brad. Well, thank you. Uh, I'm going to read the bio um, later. I'm not going to... It's it's a page long. <laughs> <clears throat> so if it's okay when I get back to my office, I'll go through it. But but I want you to know it puts you in such a good light. Oh, <laughs> thank you. A real good light. But I will, you know, just for our, our conversation, you are the... Um, the current president of Kingswood University in Sussex, New Brunswick. That's right. I'm number 12. We've been <laughs> around for almost 75 years. That's fantastic. Um, really looking forward to, uh, to talking with you more in a little bit about Kingswood. And and you are our special guest speaker at one of our youth rallies and just really been enjoying having you here and uh, looking forward to talking about some of that. Um, but there's a few things that we do in the show that are a little light and and fun and um, and so I'm going to toss a couple of questions out to you, if you're willing. Fire away. And, and if you choose not to, then the, the audience will know. Okay. <laughs> um, if you could have complete knowledge of any five things, what would you want to know? Complete knowledge. Uh, probably the most important thing would be to figure out
1: women. Oh, amen. Maybe one in particular, the one I've been married to for 37 years. Vic, I just get a better handle on that. That would be number one. And
0: then... um, Now, while you're thinking of the next, are you going to let your wife know that you were on the podcast? (laughs) Well, I'm not sure. (laughs) Yeah. I realized when I said amen, I was digging my own grave there. That's right. Yeah. Okay, but I'm with you on that. So that's one. On a more serious
1: note, there is so much to know about the Bible. Yeah. So many unanswered questions and so many questions about uh, the significance of all that's there. The Venerable Bede, who was uh, the only English doctor of the church, um, wrote the ecclesiastical history of uh, the church in England and um, just a very well-known teacher of the church in the Roman Catholic tradition. Uh, He referred to Scripture one time as an abyss. And I I just find that description so compelling. So much of our approach to Scripture is to get the point. And Bede reminds us that it's it's limitless Mm -hmm. what we can bring from it. So that's probably the thing that I would love to know uh, the most. So... let me see. What have we got? Two.
0: That's so far two. So, women, biblical knowledge. Let me reverse the order of those. Okay, fair enough. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's guess, tough, right? Yeah. To it be is in the spot. Tough. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I guess I'd love to figure out um, what makes people tick mm. just in general. Mm. Sure. Give me a better handle at how I can help people to do the right things. That'd be number three. Yeah. You got another question while I'm
0: thinking? <laughs> An easier one? Uh, <laughs> nope. It, okay. It, I, I yeah, no. That's okay. We can just we can go with three. All right. That's totally fine. Those are my top three right top now. Top three. So biblical knowledge, complete yeah. biblical knowledge. I'd love that. Um, women. Yeah. W- w- wife in particular. That's right. Um, how long have you been married? Thirty seven years. Thirty seven wow. Yeah. And and you still haven't? Haven't figured it out. Oh my goodness! No, no, it's. I'm only ten years in. Yeah, that does not leave me with much hope. Oh no, no, no! It's it's a wonderful class to be in. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, and then um, and then and then how people tick. Yeah, what makes people do what people do? Okay,
1: it's a mystery.
0: Yeah, it can be for sure. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure if you're familiar with this website. It's called Yahoo Answers and people will go on this website and post questions and and then the community of people worldwide will will give answers generally speaking they're giving bad advice you know and and then people put random questions that get random answers and and, and all of that so i've i peruse that website just to see you know get the heartbeat of the of the people kind of trying to figure out how they tick and usually are left scratching my head. And I I saw this one, and I thought I have an opportunity where we have the president of a of a university in the chair across from me, and and I just I'd be interested to see what your answers or what your thoughts would be to this. So uh, this comes from a Yahoo user, and they and this is the story: I overslept and missed school. My school emails my dad when I'm absent. I need an excuse because this has happened multiple times. So, I'm asking you, as the president of Kingswood University, what excuse would you give this poor person to 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 figure out how to how to explain this to their, no, their parents? I, I think this is an easy one, Brad. Uh, while you were sleeping, a
1: tribe of aboriginals okay snuck into your room. And shot you with a sleeping potion on the dart. Wow. And you had no choice. You were you were you were medically induced somnolence. And you had no choice. So
0: you woke up as soon as you could. I mean, I think that's the obvious answer, isn't it? In it's amazing this person even asked the question with an answer like that. I would think so. You yeah, know?
1: Yeah. Clearly, clearly, a tribe with poisonous darts and Sleeping darts and that kind of thing.
0: that makes sense. It makes sense. To no, me. You, you know, we you talked last night a little bit about reason absolutely in in the message, and I think, you know right there, there's the rational mind at work, absolutely. absolutely. I am curious though, in your role and and you've been um in other universities as well as staff, um, have you ever come across any has this ever come across your desk, or does this kind of go to the teacher and stays there? the professor? About absent absences and things like that. Yeah. Have you ever heard any? Do you have any stories to tell us? Yes, that you can yes. share.
1: Occasionally, students showing up for an eight o'clock class in their pajamas. Um, from time to time, students oversleeping, missing an exam, and someone having to go and wake them up and get them to come for the exam. Yes, we've had that. We had parents at registration day remind their students that they can't wake up early in the morning, so they shouldn't take any morning classes. They should just take afternoon classes. So, yes, this is a hmm. this is a common problem in the academic world. Wow.
0: Yes. What do you do about that? That parent one kind of bothered me a little bit, <laughs> if I'm being honest. Um Having a hard time letting go of that parent, I wonder? A-
1: absolutely. You you gently remind the parent if you can't get them out of the room, you gently remind them that this may be a good time to develop some new <laughs> habits and and since there is since there are several hours in the morning that would be a shame to waste, this would probably be a good use of their money if they could get their student to wake up. Really, there's
0: a lot of time if they're if they're paying for university and they're saying, you know, sleep in. That's fine. Well, yeah.
1: What they're saying to their young person is, "You can't change," Ooh. and that is a that is That's, an issue. That's a cultural issue, really, Brad. This is what we're confusing our teens by. On the one hand, we're telling them, "You are the best thing since sliced bread. You you are the greatest thing ever. You're yeah. you're you're um, you're unique, just like everybody else." And yet, it, we're also telling them that they're incapable of restraining themselves from, let's say, sexual activity. And so therefore we need to give them a means of protecting themselves right. from illicit sexual activity. And they're un- incapable of changing basic habits like when they get up in the morning. So I'm not surprised when you talk when I talk to young adults, how confused they seem to be about who they are and, and what they can do. Mm-hmm. We've, we've sent them a mixed message as a culture.
0: Wow, I really turn this question around. I thought it was going to be just goofs and laughs laughs, and you really hit on something here. We've talked a little bit about that, uh, that topic before, you know, I've heard different people refer to it as like the snowflake generation that every, you know, everyone is unique and uh, just kind of going off that though. I think it's interesting because we talk about people being special in the church though. and, And it's come out of my mouth and I know it's come out of my mouth this weekend. Like, each of us individually are special to God, you know. Like I, I think when he when he prayed, um, the high the high priestly prayer, well, he was praying for us, and I wonder did he see each one of us, and and I, and I know it's it's a little bit different, but I wonder, do you think that there's, do you think there's any connection between that and how we talk about how we're special to God, because I I think I believe we are, um, is there any correlation? I'm not sure if I'm trying to grasp at something here. It's just kind of sticking in my head because I know I used it on last night uh, because sometimes I think it was in, in relation to our worth. And sometimes we feel that we're worthless. And my counter to that is, is how Jesus sent his son. He doesn't send his son for, for someone that's worthless. We're worth everything to him. I, I think I think like so many answers
1: that the world provides that culture provides it's partly right and mostly wrong. Oh, so sure. absolutely what both parts of the answer that we're giving to young adults both parts are true. They they are weak mm. There 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 are incapacities that they have yeah. and that there are tr- there is tremendous potential that they have. They are unique. Both of those answers are true but culture Uh, has no way of putting those together in a cogent, reasonable answer. They give these two apparently contradictory facts to students with no way of helping them to understand how they work, which is where Scripture comes in. This is what I was trying to say tonight, that the the answers that the Bible gives make so much more sense. So all you need to do is find a passage like Romans 15, 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you realize that who we are, we're temples of the Holy Spirit. Spirit,
0: yeah,
1: uh, particularly as believers, we're temples of the Holy Spirit. Yes, and so the right answer to to, to who I am is that I have tremendous capacity, uh, you know, limitless capacity yeah. by the power of the Holy Spirit. Right, but without the Holy Spirit, I'm just a building. That's right. You know, I'm just a, I'm just a building. That's all a temple is without the presence of the, de- of the deity. <clears throat> and so it's scripture that gives the most cogent, reasonable answer to these kinds of things, plus allows a person to discover what it means to be fully unique and yet part of a community, and that helps a student to understand, okay, there are weak spots in your character, and here's how God wants to help you explain those, where they came from, mm-hmm. and how to resolve those. And mm-hmm. all of that's in scripture. The answer of who I am is so much more clearly given in scripture. And it's just a, a confusing answer as it's articulated by culture, Brad.
0: If, if I may, just on what you were speaking about, um, we did, uh, listeners for you at home, we were, were at a youth rally. And this morning we did a question and answer panel. And Dr. Lennox sat in that panel and myself and a few others. And one of the questions we didn't get to touch on was, how can my weaknesses be strengths? And, and and if it's okay with you, Dr. Lennox, I would toss that out to you. And how would you respond to that question? Because I think you just touched on it a little bit. So would you, would you be willing to go any further with that? Oh, sure. Yeah,
1: um, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll start with my weaknesses because those are the ones that are a little bit more obvious to me. Um, I think that there's a fair amount of fear
0: mm-hmm. in my
1: growing up and my approach to things. And that is definitely a weakness because when when fear is kind of at the wheel, it tends to only travel on the safe roads and avoids the, the more dangerous but perhaps better roads um, mm-hmm. to get somewhere. Um, and so if, if that's a weakness, what can God do about that? Well, if every fear recognized becomes an opportunity to turn to God in trust, then that fear becomes a means whereby God can replace the fear with something better. It's Hmm. it's why if we can just discipline ourselves to, at the moment when we realize what's going on, use that as an opportunity to pray, we found a way to turn that weakness into a strength. So Hmm. whatever our weaknesses are, I mean, God doesn't want them to remain and the way he wants to to turn them into strengths is by making them an occasion where, yeah. where we say with the Apostle Paul um, three times, I ask that this weakness be removed, this thorn in the flesh, that's right. whatever that was. And God's answer was pretty clear, no. Hmm. My power is made perfect yeah. in your weakness. So Ex- yes, sir. It's an occasion to rely on him.
0: I like that, and, th- and that's true. That is so true. Uh, we're going to go to our not a sponsor break, the part of the show where we highlight a product that we feel does it better than anybody else, but they won't support us financially. Nobody does it did you know that you need water to live? You did. So do you keep water with you at all times? Look to your left and right. Are you beside a river? Are you right beside the bathtub? Don't drink from the bathtub. That would be weird. So if you're not going to drink from the bathtub, what are you going to do? You're going to need the Arctic Water Bottle, spelled R-T-I-C. Let me read you what they say. Our larger 26-ounce bottle is sized to keep you hydrated on those extended workouts, getting those gains. And really hot days. This is your go-to bottle during those extreme times. It's designed to keep beverages cold for 24 hours and hot for six. They are vacuum insulated to keep liquids and beverages fresh. They fit most cup holders. How crazy is that? In a world of unlimited cup holder sizes, these things fit it. Uh, So we got double wall vacuum insulation. Maximum temperature retention and insulation keeps the hands from getting cold or too warm. There's a no sweat exterior. Always stays dry. Get this. No need for coasters. I've had this thing now for a couple of weeks, and it is my go-to water bottle. In a world where you need water to live, nobody does it better at keeping that water fresh and insulated than the Arctic water bottle. Not a sponsor. Uh, So, Dr. Lennox... Love to just talk to you and get to know a little bit more about who you are and, and your role in Kingswood and um and just kind of what's going on in in your life. So um so you've been at Kingswood, you say, for twelve years now? No,
1: four years. Four. I'm I'm oh, I'm the 12th sorry. president of the school that's been around for seventy five years, but Thank I'm uh, I've only been there four years. I I I definitely knew that's you weren't there right. for twelve years. No, that's all right.
0: <clears throat> so four years as president, and um, where were you before that? Indiana Wesleyan University in Marion, Indiana. And if I'm not mistaken, that is the sister school of Kingswood. I didn't know that until we spoke this weekend. That's right. And so were were you the president there as well? Oh, no. No, I was a faculty member. I was dean of the chapel. I was uh,
1: head of the School of Theology and Ministry. I served a bunch of different roles. I joke that I couldn't keep a job, but...
0: Uh, so, well, why don't you talk to me then? Because if I if I heard you right, you, you also served in pastoral ministry. That's right. Mm-hmm. When did you sense a call into pastoral ministry? When I was a freshman at college. I was at Houghton College in New
1: York State, and I had gone to Houghton thinking that I was going to be um, a gym teacher, phys ed teacher. Wow. I, like, I love sports, yeah. and I love the idea of teaching. So that was what I was thinking. It was within the first couple of weeks of, of uh, school in my freshman year that, and I was walking down the hill from my residence hall onto campus. And at a certain point on campus, Brad, strange as it sounds, I knew that I was not going to be a gym teacher, that I was going to be in ministry. And I assumed it would be pastoral ministry, mm-hmm. which was crazy because I only had one thing on my list of things I didn't want to be, and that was a pastor.
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: and, and the the reasons I had for not wanting to be a pastor were, I thought, pretty good reasons— um, my experience was that I watched pastors kind of lose their own families mm-hmm. to carry out their duties. And I knew that wasn't what God wanted me to do. And so I just assumed if, if the only way to keep your family and, and make sure it's a healthy home is by not being a pastor, then I guess I can't be a pastor. Yep. So I was a little surprised when God said, no, I want you in ministry. And it was, it was so distinct. It was almost as if I passed through a curtain. Hmm. On the one side of the curtain, I knew pretty clearly that I was going to be a gym teacher. On the other side of the curtain, I knew without any question that I was going to be in full-time ministry. And that realization, I've only had, I'm not a mystic, so I've only had like one episode or maybe two episodes where it's been that clear, that distinct. But it was really life-changing, life-altering. And I didn't know exactly what that was going to look like. Um, One of the first things that God did for me was to get me in the library. I, I was never a very good student, and I didn't spend much time in the library, but I happened to end up in the library shortly after that experience. And I happened to find myself in possession of an old book written by the daughter of a pastor. Couldn't tell you the book, Could't tell you the daughter. All I could tell you is in that book, she said, my my dad was a pastor and he was a great dad. And the way my mind works, it's really simple. <laughs> you know, if he could do it, well, I guess it's possible. Yeah. And so the Lord, by directing me in his crazy way to that book, kind of cleared the deck of my objections. Mm-hmm. And then it became a matter of figuring out what, what that was going to look like for me. And initially, I thought it would be pastoral ministry. And I, went, I graduated from Houghton and went off to seminary and finished seminary and got started in pastoral ministry. And I did that for 10 years, and I loved it. I just loved I've never had a job like being a pastor. Mm-hmm. where people invite you into their lives and, and give you the chance to be there with them at their most raw moments. Right. I mean, it's, it's pastoral ministry, and I love that. But within my first few years of pastoral ministry, I was also given the opportunity to teach in a Bible college in Pennsylvania. And as soon as I stepped in, the, it was kind of a last-minute thing. They needed somebody, and as soon as I stepped in the classroom, I knew this was what God wanted me to do, wow. was the teaching. I mean, it was very, very, very clear. And so uh, I knew at that point that God had, had was kind of closing the door to past, full-time pastoral ministry, but was opening this door to to teaching. And so um, I en- ended up resigning my church, going to grad school, finishing my PhD, and, um, and then making myself available for work. Curiously... Uh, The college where I'm at now, Kingswood College, Kingswood University, was Bethany Bible College at the time in in the early 1990s. And I actually came up for an interview in February of 1993 and loved it. I just loved it. It was in the middle of a bitter, cold February snowstorm, and I just thought, this is the greatest place in the world. We have a daughter who at the time was maybe two or three and uh, she has a, a pretty serious health problems, it, very rare disease. It's actually literally one in a million kids that have this disease. And so we knew that if we were gonna to come to Canada from the States, it was gonna be, the, I mean, her my daughter's health condition was gonna to have to be a significant factor in the decision. Certainly. And it turned out that on Council of Medical Advice, it was to stay in the States. And so we had the opportunity to go to Indiana Wesleyan and, and took that choice, even though there was a lot that was drawing us toward uh, to, to New Brunswick. So we ended up there, at Indiana Westland, and I did lots of things there. Um, my favorite thing was teaching the Bible. Uh, I led the chapel for a while, but my favorite thing was being in a classroom teaching, and love just love teaching the Bible.
0: Yeah. So then I, I, I can. It's easy to see. It's easy to see the uh, sitting here across the table. It's easy to see the journey that God's been bringing you on, and, and the transitions. I, it's. I'm sure it's not as easy in those moments in that transitional period of of searching that out and and all that, and with the family. Um, so you have the passion for teaching and the passion for scripture and, and the Lord, and and um, you're at Indian Indiana uh, Wesleyan. Is that I, is that I I got that right? Um, teaching. And so, then what was it like? What was the transition then like into, into what you're doing now? I'd love to hear that if, if you wouldn't mind sharing.
1: I'll back up and say that I love the teaching, but I always found myself uh, doing a role that involved both teaching and administration. Sure. So, almost all the 22 years there, I was doing a little bit of both. Yep. I love it. I love administration. I always enjoyed that. And I love the teaching, but there was always a tug of war between the two. A few years before 2015, maybe around 2011, 2012, I started to feel a little bit uprooted, like like when you're going to transplant a plant and you kind of pull it up and then you knock the soil off the roots. I felt like that was happening. God was loosening the soil from around our roots, which was crazy. We loved, my wife and I loved Indiana Wesleyan. We both worked there. She's a nurse practitioner. She was in the health center had a great ministry there. We loved our church. We had this amazing friend group. And we could really see ourselves, you know, another 10, 15 years there, retiring from there. And there was absolutely no reason to think of anything else. But both of us felt this, this kind of change in the works Neither of us really talked much about it, but both of us felt like some God was up to something. Huh. And then um, I got a uh, an invitation from the denominational publishing house to write a book on Abraham, which I think is a very a very dirty trick on God's part, because here I am, literally writing a book about a call of, that God gives to a man yeah. to leave their family and to leave their home and their country. Wow. And at wow. about that time, I got a call from uh, from Kingswood saying, would you consider being the president? But what can you do
0: at that point? <laughs> I mean, he literally sent you
1: a <laughs> yeah. sign. Yeah. So uh, it was an easier decision for me because I felt like this was what God was preparing me for. And it, it turns out that is what it has been. It, As much as I've loved every job I've had, I've never found myself more fulfilled in any role. I've never found like... The way I describe it is that the finger is in... My fingers are in every finger of the glove. It just feels like it fits really well. Yes. But I've never had a job that's been more challenging where I have to get up every day and basically hand this all back over to God and say, unless you build the house, this is gonna be a day of laboring in vain. So it's, it's been a great transition for the both of us. It was a little harder for my wife, and I didn't realize how hard it would be for her to give up her, basically her calling and career to move to another country where she could have uh, regained her credentials, but uh, it would have been a lot more challenging. And so she's chosen not to uh, to pursue being a nurse practitioner in Canada and... and uh, so it's been of a bit of an adjustment for her, but she's she's turned out to be a better president's wife than than I am a president. Mm. She has a way with people. She has uh, in the strengths quest. I don't know if you're a strength finders. Yeah, strength finders. Yeah. So she's she's a woo. Okay. And that's her that's her number one strengths woo. And what that means is you put her in a room with a group of people, and she immediately understands what's going on and yeah. relates to everybody. Well, you can picture. I'm a kind of an introvert, and uh, when bringing oh. her into the conversation, it just changes the dynamics and I feel like oh, God absolutely. is, yeah. So God's given me
0: the perfect companion for this role and, and she's just amazing in it. Now you made, uh, you said something in there, you said a lot, but something that jumped out to me was the fact that you, at the moment you are in the center of, you believe you are in the center of God's will for your life. You've got the glove on, you know, and it and it fits. And yet, it's a lot of work. It it's hard work, and it's turning things over to God. I, uh, there's there have been times where I've heard people, you know, that have given their life to Jesus, and, and they're gonna they want to follow the plan, and and then they didn't they didn't know it was, there was still going to be hard work on the other side of that to to find the you know I thought it was all supposed to just be all of you know the sunshine, sunshine and rainbows, but. But it, you know, to, to fulfill God's plan for our lives, re- requires all of us, every every bit of us, um, and I think you articulated that very well. Um, so, Kingswood for four years, and your your wife is the president's wife, and and uh, that's fantastic, uh, and and really enjoying it. And um, from from the students that have been going, I I have students that I've sent from from our church that have been there. And and they they just love you. I've heard so much positive and and about Kingswood um, and the and uh, the, the last few years with with ministry. Just it's it's been positive and and um, and so thank you for your ministry there and what you're doing and how you're preparing our students. I've got more students going there and students going to, uh, to other Bible universities and colleges. But um, but thank you. Yeah, they're oh, they're excited now. You've written a book. And in fact, when I was looking at your bio, the list of books was almost as long as the bio. Uh, so you, you also you must love to write as well. That's and if, if I may, that's been something I've always struggled with. I, I've, I'm a musician and I love to create and, and all that kind of stuff. But when it comes to putting a pen on paper, and, 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 and writing, if it's for a requirement for a course or something like that, you know, I can do that and articulate my thoughts. And I, I'm, I'm a preacher, so I create sermons and, and let, allow the Lord to lead and, and do all that. But for whatever reason, lyrics, music, can't do it. So if I'm, if I'm being honest, I'm a little jealous of the, the creative juices that are flowing when it comes to being able to write a book. But what's that been like, being able to do that?
1: It's one of the joys of my life. I, had, I just love the process, although it, too, is an arduous uh, process. I compare it to a wrestling match where you've got this, uh, this, this welter of words, and your job is to figure out which ones fit and which ones don't. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I enjoy that process most of the time. Um, they say when you're writing a book, it starts out more like a dating relationship, and then you fall in love, and then you get married, and then yeah. there is, you know, the hard work of making a marriage work. Writing a book is kind of like that, mm. um, but I've had that uh, the privilege of doing that. Um, mo- almost all the books I've written have been books about the Bible yeah. commentaries, um,
0: and all from the Old Testament. Wow. That's Perfect. my favorite part of the Bible. Well, that show tonight. Yeah. Really, I really like that. Um, so your latest book is Seeing the Big Picture of the Bible, which, uh, and I'll mention again um, at the end of the episode, but is available on Amazon and, and, and wherever online books can be found. Sure. Yeah. Um, could you talk to us a little bit about, about your book? Sure. Um,
1: <clears throat> I'm aware that based on a LifeWay survey, that out of 10 church-going people, only two read the Bible every day two out of 10. And these are churchgoers.
0: That's right.
1: Well, what's the reason for that? I've been around churchgoers all my life. They're great people. They know they should read the Bible. If they're not reading it, there must be some reason. And and the quick answer that I was getting was, well, they don't know how. And so we do these seminars on, I've been teaching how to study the Bible. And and I think that's a part of it, Brad. But it occurred to me, there's probably another reason. And that is people are getting lost among the trees, they can't see the forest for the trees. They're, I compare it to putting a jigsaw puzzle together where you've got all the pieces, but you don't know what you're supposed to do with them.
0: Mm-hmm. You, know,
1: you know you know, the Old Testament has something to do with Jesus, but you sure can't for the life of you, figure out where he is. Yeah. And so what I realized was we really need to talk about the big picture of the Bible, kind of lay out the, the plot line for God's story as he reveals it in, old, in the Old and New Testament. And once people get a kind of sense of the lay of the land, then it's a lot easier to go back in and figure out what the individual parts are there for. Mm. It' like putting a jigsaw puzzle together. You see the picture on the cover of the box, and you say, oh, okay, I know what this little piece is supposed to do. This is supposed to go here. So God laid this kind of burden on my heart, and so uh, I started doing seminars in churches, and I still do those seminars where for three hours on a Saturday morning or whenever, we'll just kind of lay out the whole story of the Bible in more detail than what I'm doing Uh as part of the youth uh, retreat, but, uh, but a similar idea of just walking people through from Genesis to Revelation. And, and after I'd give those seminars, people would say, wow, that was great. That was really helpful. There's a lot of information. I wish I'd taken better notes. And I realized I've got to do something a little bit more permanent for people. They can take it home and kind of spend time in it. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, almost a year ago in May, uh, I started writing this thing, and I've never written a book this fast. By from May to uh, October, I had all the chapters written, and then um, laid it out and put it together, and published it with Kingswood Publishing, which is associated with Kingswood, and um, and uh, it's it's been very well received, and. Basically, it's a, it's a ministry of Kingswood. I don't get any royalties. I don't get any profits. Every, everything that people spend on this book pays for the book and then goes to uh, as, a, as a donation to Kingswood. So, but, but it's part of the reason why God put me on this earth. It's a big reason why God put me on this earth, mm. is to teach and preach the Bible.
0: Yeah.
1: There's nothing that I could do that brings me greater pleasure than either to write about it or to talk about it or to help people understand the significance of it, help people to kind of plumb the depths of that abyss that the venerable Bede talked about. Uh, There's so much more to this Bible than than people understand. And uh, so that's where the seeing the big picture of the Bible came from. And all the other books that I've written really have been born out of that same passion, kind of unlocking books of the Bible that people tend not to read. Joshua is the commentary that I wrote for the Beacon publishing the the Nazarene publishing house. Really? The new Beacon Bible commentary and and they assigned me Joshua which at first thought I thought oh no not Joshua not with all the bloodshed. But just <laughs> the opportunity to spend time in that book with its puzzling parts and its you know the 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 extermination so called of the Canaanites and yeah. it's if you ask people why they aren't interested in Christianity or why they don't pay, care about the Old Testament, a lot of times, they will come back to that, that season in Israel's history where they take over the land of Canaan. And so, as I work through the material, I understood so much more clearly that people, this was a misapprehension, a misconception of what actually happened. And there's a very good explanation for, for the way God goes about doing what God does in a way that's quite consistent with his character of love, mm-hmm. and uh, so just th- that experience of studying, preparing, articulating—I've really, I've really enjoyed that with every book I've written. I
0: uh, I remember a conversation that was years ago that I had with a young pastor and his wife, and we had just met them, um, and we were just sharing and and having a time together. And the wife, she made a comment that that I understood what she meant, but. but you've probably heard this before. She said that she loves the God of the New Testament, but does not in the old because of what you just talked about. It, she couldn't, they, they couldn't figure out why did this have to happen? Why, you know, all this violence and killing. And, and then it seems that all of a sudden we get the New Testament and it's, you know, it's love and, and all that. But God was the same then and in the new. And so I think it's fantastic to be able to do what you've been doing and even the little bit that you've done with the youth over the course of of this, of of sharing, you know, there is a reason for this and and you talked about it tonight and we're going to touch on that if, if, again, if you would be willing uh, to share a little bit. Um, so why don't we actually, why don't we do that? Uh, so, um, so you've been speaking with the youth and, and tomorrow it all culminates and we're looking forward to that, but why don't you tell us a little bit about the journey you've been taking us on? And I know it, 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 uh, has a lot to do with with the book that you've written, which is just the passion that's within you, what God has put on you. Uh, so could you share some of that with sure, us? Sure, I'll just give you a, a, a quick synopsis yes, of what we've done over the
1: last two nights. Um, basically, I see the the. the the Bible as God's story. It's a story of of salvation. But the way I understand salvation, and this is a way that Wesley would have been very comfortable with, Mm -hmm. uh, that salvation is relational. It's the restoration of relationships. And um, Wesley will focus more on the uh, vertical relationship human to God, but he was also very cognizant of the fact that we were made for relationship with one another, with ourselves, and with the world around us, and salvation is meant to accomplish reconciliation in all four of those relationships. And so we just start from Genesis 1 and 2 and say the way we were created was to have these relationships, and we talk about how we see that in the garden, and uh, that this this is what it means to be made in the image of God. This isn't the only way to understand the image of God, but the image of God includes this idea of being made for relationship. Genesis 3, describes the breaking of those all four of those relationships as a result of sin and how humankind continues to seek the fulfillment of those relationships but lacks the capacity to do so. Martin Luther spoke about sin creating what he called curvatus and se, where it it curves us in on ourselves. And so instead instead of being in relationship with God, we might use that relationship with God for our own purposes yeah. rather than his purpose. And we might use our relationships with others for our own purposes. So we love them for our sake instead of for their sake and God's sake and so forth. So I, we we paint the picture of where we were supposed to be and where we ended up as a consequence of sin and then how bad things get after that. And and where we stopped the first night, which was kind of kind of cruel, yeah. <laughs> was to say in Genesis 11, we're in a hopeless situation because... Every one of us is infected. Even the most righteous man, Noah, brings sin with him onto the ark. Mm-hmm. So when he gets off the ark, sin gets off with him. So even the most righteous of us is incapable of restoring these broken relationships. And then I described the Tower of Babel, which in my mind, I learned this story as an entirely negative, like they did a terrible thing. Yeah. And that's why God stopped him. And then I realized, no they were doing what everybody's trying to do, which is to restore these relationships. And they were were doing their very best. And even at their very best, they were incapable of doing it, not because God stopped them, but because they were incapable of doing it. And and what he put a stop to was a failed attempt rather than a potentially successful one. So I left everybody hanging (laughs) Genesis 11 by saying, we're in a mess unless God shows up. And then I find in Genesis 12, a uh, the hinge. That call of Abram is really the point at which God reveals that plan that he has. I will make of you a great nation, the nation of Israel, and through you and that nation, all nations of the earth will be blessed. And we pointed out tonight from... Acts 3.25, Galatians 3.8, how this really is the gospel preached in advance. And everything that God will do from that point on, Genesis 12 through Revelation, all flows out of Genesis 12, 1 through 3. And how God's intent is through the Old Testament to prepare for Christ and through Christ to begin to fulfill these four broken relationships to restore them. And the challenge that I've tried to leave people with is don't settle for Christ. A Christianity, what I call a skim milk
0: Christianity. And you need to you need to tell us your thoughts about skim milk when you're...
1: <laughs> well, I overspoke for the purpose of making the point, but I don't like skim milk. I never have liked <laughs> skim milk. It seems to be a, a contradiction in terms. Um, but to me, a more tragic than skim milk is people settling for a kind of skim milk relationship with God that all it does is kind of gets them out of hell. You know, they've got their get out of hell free yeah. car or get to heaven card and 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 this is something I saw in Wesley. He said, Don't I'm paraphrasing of course, but he said, Don't settle for any religion that doesn't deal with all the aspects of the devil's work. Mm. And what the devil has done is because he's broken our relationship with God or allowed us to break that relationship, it has also affected our other relationships. And so salvation is intended to restore all of those relationships, yeah. to restoration of the image of God. So what I'm calling people to is really a, a coffee cream kind of Christianity yeah. where they're getting all 18% of the cream. It's thick.
0: Yeah. And it's good. And it's good. And, and then tomorrow, I know it, it's... It's coming to a head tomorrow, and and um, I'm sure there'll be uh, there's some youth that are interested in coming on here, so I'll be interested to have some conversation with them to talk about their experience with the rally. So I don't I don't know if you really want to give anything away tomorrow for tomorrow and where you're headed with this, but would you?
1: <laughs> this is the sermon. That I've I've never really been felt like I've done it justice. I've never preached the one I'll preach to. Uh, to the youth tomorrow, before quite like this, because I can't get my mind around Jesus. Hmm. Those two chapters that I that I wrote for the Seeing the Big Picture book were really a kind of mind expanding, and and my appreciation for the work, person, and work of Christ, has just. I feel like I'm just getting started in understanding. So the challenge comes when I've I've set the stage for Christ, and then how do you in one 30, 35-minute sermon articulate everything people need to know? And so I've preached about how you find Christ in the Old Testament, and I've preached about what it means to be in Christ, and uh, t- tomorrow I'll try a different approach of just trying to express, it's from Hebrews 1, 1 to 4, and and what it means that Christ has come, that God sent Christ. But it's only going to be uh, just a, s- a snapshot, just yeah. a glimpse oh, yeah. at what needs to be said about Christ. I, I appreciated so much the-, the worship team from Kingswood and, and yes. the way they chose songs for this rally that keep bringing us back to the person of Christ. And I felt tonight as they were singing and as I was worshiping that if a person just commits their life to Christ and just... I don't just mean becomes a Christian. I mean, they make their the driving force, the, the dynamo of their life, being the personal work of Christ, that is a no-lose situation. Mm-hmm. Whatever they're facing, they can find in Christ everything they need. And then in the end, they find themselves with a well-done, good and faithful servant. So to me, just the the lifting up Christ is what draws people. And so tomorrow, I hope to do my best at representing him well, but there's just an infinite amount that could be said on his behalf.
0: And it must be hard, too, because you have... Um, such an appreciation for the Old Testament and seeing the shadows and the imagery and, and everything that these things meant and how they're fulfilled in Christ. How do you, like you say, in a 35-minute time, bring all of that? Like, this is what this meant. And there is so much to say. And, and you know this, but isn't it so encouraging to know that the Holy Spirit is at work in that service, saying what needs to be said to people, when we don't have the words, when we don't have the time, he's at work doing things that, that we couldn't, you know? And so I believe wholeheartedly that the Lord's going to speak through you. He has been and will continue to, and the Holy Spirit's going to go out and the word's going to be received and responded to. That's and the th- foolishness of preaching, isn't it? it yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, Fantastic. Is there anything else that, that while you have the audience of at least 10 with two fans that we can confirm, um, is there anything that you would want to put on the table for people? Anything, you know, Kingswood related or or yourself or or anything? Well, I mentioned that I came to
1: Kingswood in 1993 and and fell in love with it and followed it from a distance, you yes. know, um, for those 22 years. And then when they had the opportunity to come in 2015 and... Take on this role, I came with a sense of appreciation. Oftentimes when you do that, you know, once you see how the sausage is made, it's a little bit more difficult to get your appetite up for it. Sure. It's been the opposite for me. I have spent these past four years coming to appreciate more what Kingswood does and how God has prepared it and what happens there and how God is positioning it for the future. I am so much more enthusiastic about the ministry than I was mm. before coming, which is a wonderful thing. Yeah. Uh, the Bible College movement is uh, a phenomenon that many thought had served its purpose and was to be, you know, good riddance. Uh, it's a part of the, the the Wesleyan holiness tradition and and other traditions as well. And it was it was the choice when people weren't quite so sure what to do with other colleges. It was a, it was a preacher college. Yeah. It's where you, where you went off to if you were had a call to ministry. And it served its purpose well from the time through the, ninth, through the 20th century. But now there are many people who think, well, basically, let's just turn our Bible colleges into liberal arts colleges or let them die. And I'm saying, wait... The 21st, 22nd centuries are going to need Bible colleges more than ever yes. because ministry is going to call for people to be prepared almost like um, like Navy SEALs or whatever the counterpart would be in Canada, where they're, they're really prepared to be nimble. Like you could drop them anywhere and they yes. could make ministry happen. Yeah. And I, I don't speak disparagingly of liberal arts colleges, especially Christian ones, I'm a product of a Christian liberal arts college and I worked for 22 years at one of the best but what I've discovered is in a Bible college, you have a formula there where people are there because they love the Lord and they want to do ministry. They don't all know what it's going to look like, and they won't all do it voc- vocationally. But they have this passion. You put them all together, and it creates what what I would call a sanctifying context. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wesley said there's no holiness but social holiness. And what he meant by that was that God intends for holiness to be produced in community. And I'm watching this sanctifying context actually shaping students mm. i mean you can see it in their lives as they move through the years there and i'm saying oh my goodness the bible college has a place if we can stay true to who we are and what we what god wants us to do uh, and and keep ourselves closely linked with the church and service to the church there's a great need for what kingswood has to offer and it's it's just a fascinating place to be and to watch the spirit work in the lives of our students mm. We've got our visit day coming on April 5th, and I hope you know, all 10 of the people that are listening to you, and maybe the other two will come. Um, we'd love to have them. But it is is it it is a phenomenal place, and I, I would stack it up against anywhere I've worked or any place I know for a place where God is at work preparing men and women to do ministry of whatever kind. Drop them anywhere, they'll make ministry happen. That's, that's what's happening, and I'm excited to be
0: a part of it. I'm not going to go into my academic career because that's not on... So uh, that's not on spec here, but um, when it was Bethany Bible College, I did attend uh, for a little while there, a semester, um, and and it's funny. I had conversations later when I wasn't there, and and I, I was just and without going into a lot of, de- I was just in an immature place in my life at that time, and and wasn't really there for the right reason. Or, well. The point is I I remember saying to my wife, she would become my wife that I really felt like there was something special there. And that if I would have been in the right mind, I could have done well there and grown and learned a lot there. And I've seen my I've seen my own students now that have gone off there that are gaining so much and 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 the community that's built there is is growing them and and they're and they're together in dorms and they're growing and they're they're encouraging and stretching each other. I'm watching the worship team that's here this week, uh, this weekend from Kingswood and and just in their own times. Uh, you know, I I overheard one. He was just talking about he just wanted to go lay down and just soak in worship and with God, and and that's the kind of thing that's being fostered and created. And 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 that wasn't a show. That wasn't to be a holier than thou. He legitimately just wanted. To be in his presence, to not do anything else but be there. And that speaks volumes to me. Um, so, thank you so much for, for the investment that you're making in, in our young adults and in our adults and for the future and, and for the now of the church. Um, we're extremely excited and very thankful. And thank you for for being here with us at the youth rally this weekend. We've really enjoyed you and and the worship team, um, and just the presence that you've brought here from the school. I have um I I have you you brought me maple syrup from the school. That's the good stuff, Brad. That, really, that's the good stuff. That it, that made everything worth it. Up up until then, I was there was a question, you know, there was a doubt. But when you passed me that maple syrup, this this is why we're here. No. Um, And so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, please make sure that you do check out the book, Seeing the Big Picture of the Bible, Amazon.ca. And you said April 6th or 5th, sorry, April 5th is an open house kind of thing. Uh, People can just come to the school. Yep. Be good if they let us know they were coming, we can be ready for them. Just uh, kingswood.edu. Perfect. Kingswood.edu. You can check that out. Well, we're going to, it's hard to believe, I'm not sure if you were ready for this. It's hard to believe that we've been going now for 50 minutes. (laughs) or maybe it seemed like that. Hard to say. Um, But we're going to start wrapping things up. So here's another one from Yahoo. So just bear with me here. Is it selfish to want to get married so you don't have to worry about money anymore? Yes, but there are more selfish reasons. Okay. Yeah. Are you going to go through any of them?
1: Well, I would say uh, getting uh, married so that you don't have to cook your own meals would be in that same category. Yikes. So uh, you don't have to do your own laundry. Let's see. Um, Because you don't like to sleep alone. I mean, these are, yeah, there's a lot of selfish reasons to get married. Um, And I think so you don't have to
0: worry about finances is one of them. That just seems wrong. Well, it is. Absolutely. I mean, I guess the potential is there that if your bank account is empty and, And hers is full or, or, you know, and you get married all of a sudden, (laughs) let's get a joint bank account. There you go. You know, or what if they have just massive amounts of debt and you had no idea. Now that's your debt. Exactly. Wow. Uh, Listener, if, uh, if this was you, that's asking this question, maybe don't get married. You gotta, you gotta wonder.
1: Yeah. Are you you doing it for the
0: right reasons? Dr. Lennox, thank you so much. Could you just before we go um, you write the books, but do you read the books? Is there a book recommendation that you would give to the people to encourage them I'm going to recommend your book so you can't do that not that I think not that you would <laughs>
1: um, I think given the fact that we're at a youth rally mm-hmm. Brad and that we're dealing with um, what some people call Gen Z. I want to recommend the best book I've read on Gen Z. It's by Gene Twenge, T-W-E-N-G-E. And the title of the book is iGen, iGen, like iPhone. And then there's another long title that goes on for two or three lines, which uh, I don't remember. But it is an incredible uh, psychosocial survey of... This generation, it's very uh, candid about the strengths and the weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And we've been reading it as an administrative cabinet at Kingswood because our first year students are in that iGen, that Gen Z uh, period. So all the students we're getting from this point on are, are gonna be part of that iGen, and it will have a significant impact on Christian higher education for good and with some challenges. Yeah. But anybody that's working with youth or teens or middle schoolers,
0: it's it's a must read. The the it is the title is a mouthful. Yeah, Igen. Why today's super connected kids are growing up less rebellious, more tolerant, less happy, and completely unprepared for adulthood, and what that means for the rest of us. Gene M. Twenge, and it is uh, available on Amazon, and and you can find that anywhere. It looks like that books are sold. I'm I'm gonna get that. I think that's an excellent book recommendation. Thank you so much, Dr. Lennox, for taking the time to spend it with us and know that we are praying for you and and your ministry at Kingswood. Thank you. Well, thanks for being with us. Great to be here. Thanks so much. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that ends our episode. Remember, you can follow the podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Oxford Holy Club, all one word, that's the username, or email us, OxfordHolyClub at gmail.com. We would love to hear your questions and thoughts and comments. If you do use the socials, why don't you use the hashtag O-Club, O-H-C-L-U-B. And if you do decide to give us a rating that is five stars on iTunes, we will read it on the air. If you can, if you'd like to become a supporter of the podcast, you can do so by just clicking the link that's in the description. And I'm not going to say anything else about that. Definitely cracking open a box of crap dinner for, for lunch today. That's fine. So until next time, Keep spiritually fit and have fun.